Hello, everybody. Happy Friday evening. It is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> I am here joined with one of our frequent guests, uh, Jose. As you guys can probably tell, uh, David Miller is not here. He is tied up overseas in England. So we have our special guest friend here, Jose. Jose, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, Mike, why are you spoiling the surprise April Fool's? I am Hispanic Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're giving it all away. Come on. I know, but... <laughs> But listen, uh, with one Dave goes out, we bring another David in. Today we have a special guest with us tonight, Mint City Collective. We have David Gussler, who will be joining us to discuss um, everything about Charlotte FC, uh, the fan base, the club, and uh, just you know getting right into the upcoming match that the Philadelphia Union have against Charlotte FC for the first time ever in history. It'll be Saturday. Uh, Jose, 7.30 p.m., right, is the time for the game? 7.30, yeah, 7.30. I'll be at the I'll be at the parking lot around 5, 6 o'clock, smoking a, little cigar, a big cigar and drinking some beer before the match. Excited. Awesome. Um, yeah, I can't make this match. I know I told you, I think, before that I was, but I will be here on – I'll be there April 9th against Columbus, I believe, is the next match. So I'll be there for that. Jose, I'll have to meet up with you uh, maybe early and join you for a cigar and or beer because that sounds kind of nice. My and, um, and then there you go. Perfect. So now I have I have no choice now but to be there. Um, so I'll definitely be there for next, next Saturday. But uh, tomorrow I will be covering the match for AAT Sports Network. So you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is right, you know, right there. And then Dave Miller will also be trying to chime in if he can um, because of his schedule out in England. He covers a soccer team out there as well. So uh, Dave is certainly very busy. But without further ado, uh, and to talk about something, uh, the pressure we saw from yesterday with Jim Curtin, I'm going to go through our sponsors real quick to get this uh, show underway. So first up, we have Triple Threat Bets. Uh, this is the one-stop shop for uh, all college basketball. As you know from me on Twitter, uh, me and Triple Threat Bets have been working together all season long, uh, betting games, talking about different um, teams and, and conferences. So you can follow us at TripleThreatWagers.com and Triple Threat Bets on Twitter. We have Manscaped, get plus free the code AATBirds and Man.com. Next up, we have OddsJam, the number one one score platform for sportsbook bandits. They use an arbitrage calculator and more, so you never lose a bet again. Sign up today at oddsjam.com. Next up is Statement Games. You check out Statements at statementgames.com for a fun new way to fantasy sports and entertainment. You can win gift cards and prizes completely free to sign up at statementgames.com. And lastly, our newest um, sponsor is Vinny's. Um, if this is a pop here Vinny's Pizza and Restaurant in Allentown, PA. You can enjoy Italian cuisine. They have pizza, pasta, burger, sandwiches, and more available for pickup or delivery. Order today at Vinny'sPizzaPA.com. And lastly, the Across the Pitch gear and all the other gear from the AAT Sports Network can be found right there, AATSportsNetwork.com slash shop for Lily. A tons of uh, great gear, items, etc. Uh, I know Johnny Uleka has been getting a ton of love for his Villanova uh, and Jay Wright themed poster. I mean, players from Villanova, Randy Foy, um, I, uh, I believe Jay Wright himself has actually seen the poster and been trying to get orders in. So we're trying to put that as well out there. Uh, so it's a pretty cool item that, but that Johnny did. He's very, very, uh, very creative. Awesome. Awesome stuff there. Without further ado, uh, Jose, real quick, uh, what are your thoughts so far from the past week or so from, from hearing Jim Curtin's press conferences and then coming off that big New York city win? 
you know, it's really interesting, uh, but not all that interesting. It's a typical Jim Curtin press conference, right, where uh, such a humble guy, almost self-deprecating to an extent, always talking highly about his opponent, which, as we know, Charlotte has had a good run so far. Uh, and it's it's not often that he's praising his own players. And the last time he praised one of our own players was our very own Mr. Harriel, who, of course, has now stolen the job from, as I mentioned on Twitter, uh, Olivier Ibizo, who after today's World Cup draw could very well be facing against Neymar and Vinicius Jr. and Gabriel Jesus in the World Cup this coming November. So uh, back to the press conference, just mm-hmm. I think it's just a typical Jim Curtin conference again, just being being very humble and playing it safe. I don't. I, it's certainly not what I would be doing on FIFA manager mode. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Jim Curtin's uh, pre-game press conferences are all very much cookie cutter. He always talks highly about the team, as as you know, you mentioned here. He's he's kind of uh, he's pretty serious about Charlotte. He doesn't care that it's an expansion team. He doesn't care how many wins or draws or goals they've had. Uh, he takes them seriously, and I expect his team to be well prepared. Um, and from what it seems like, they they are not going to be playing conservative when they come to, to Chester. They're going to play ready to win, ready to attack. So it should be an exciting match. And another thing, Jose, before I forget, if you do go to the match, uh, Icep the Philly tweeted us today. Uh, spread the word. We've added a special train for post-match travel from Chester. Leaves 10.30 p.m. on April 2nd, uh, which would be tomorrow, obviously, to Center City. So more info for that, you can visit iSeptaPhilly.com. So look at that. Surprise tweet from Septa today. Kind of caught me off guard, but they're willing to provide um, transportation for those who are maybe staying in the city from Charlotte or one of our, any of our local uh, fans, you please, uh, you know, get home safely and responsibly. Uh, I can't remember though, Mike, before I forget, I can't remember. Just make sure you check that train actual ride. I don't think it's an express back to market street. Just double check. Uh, It might be, I know that I've done it way, way ago before they took (laughs) it away. Uh, And it was a lifesaver when my mom was living out in Elkins park. Uh, But that also meant doing all of the stops and the transfers. So just take a look. Don't take it for their words. Just make sure you keep an eye on it and and double check where you're actually supposed to get off. And you're not just skipping stops since it's an express at, that late at night. Exactly. If you remember after the Club America match, uh, Jim Curtin stopped on the side of the road and picked up a Club America family and brought them back to the hotel. I'll tell you what, it's not going to happen tomorrow. So just be, get them safely. Don't count on Jim Curtin to pick you up on the side of the road. And uh, yeah, as, as Jose said, double check with SEPTA or any other transportation to get out of Chester which we know isn't always the easiest to get out of. But um, again, back to the press conference, very straightforward. But I want to just get right into bringing David onto the show uh, so he can kind of get into the, the discussion about Charlotte. So let me bring him onto the show now. Here we go. Hey, what's up, guys? Wait for the pop of my screen. I'm sorry if it takes a second here. David, how you doing this uh, this afternoon or this evening, rather? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, excited to discuss this upcoming match with you all. Yep, exactly. Um, so before we get into it, uh, I would love to hear more about uh, you know who you are, what is Mint City Collective, and you know how how can people learn about uh, Charlotte FC and their fan base? Yeah, um, so Mint City Collective is one of the supporter groups for Charlotte FC. Um, I'm the president for this year, this term. Um, I was actually elected back in uh, 2020. So if that tells you anything, I've been in the been in the role for a little bit of time, but. Um, as many folks know that Charlotte FC um, being announced in 2019 had a, 
had a short delay to a little thing, a little thing called COVID. Um, and so with the delay of the team, um, my, my status kept going forward. So um, president for this season heading into the end of this year. Um, but we're one of the largest supporter groups here for Charlotte FC. Um, we're based here locally in Charlotte, but we've got actually um, chapters throughout the Carolinas, um, all the way actually over in Europe. We have a few uh, members over in Germany and Italy as well, um, but kind of a, a model similar to the American Outlaws. So I'm, I know many folks are familiar with them, but having one central parent kind of organization and then miniature chapters throughout the Carolinas and throughout Charlotte, um, where we have local leaders kind of leading that um, and being on the ground, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're here. We're, we're happy to finally have a team and actually be able to go to matches and watch them play. So any chance we have a, an opportunity to talk to anyone about soccer and about Charlotte FC, we're, we're excited because it's been, it's been a long three years for some of us here uh, to build up uh, for Charlotte FC. Yeah, I believe um, seeing from the Twitter page for Mint City Collective, you guys were established in the summer of 2019. So you're right. You know, you had that your excitement building up and all the pandemic hits and, you know, the world goes crazy as we saw, unfortunately for us, Jose, uh, you know, the pandemic and the COVID situation got us last year in the Eastern conference final. So it just seems like it's lingering, but from what we're seeing on Twitter and the videos and the photographs, it seems like the fan base is excited. Um, and you guys play at the, at the Carolina Panthers stadium um, from what we've seen, you know, how has that experience been being in a football size stadium? Yeah, it, it definitely has its pros and its cons, right? So one of the great things about it is it gives the team and our fan base uh, flexibility to be able to have um, huge populations within the stadium, which I'm sure you guys saw um, us beat the MLS attendance record against LA Galaxy um, with our very first home game with 74,000 fans or more. Um, but yeah, it is a football first stadium. They've definitely done some upgrades here and there to kind of make it more so uh, soccer centric, but um it, you know, it's 32,000, I believe, give or take a little bit in the lower bowl. Um, I will say the past two matches, having averaged like 30,000 fans, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we're, we're a new fan base, but soccer is not new to a lot of people here in the Carolinas. We, you know, I grew up playing here locally. Uh, we've got tons of universities here, soccer clubs, soccer programs. Um, so it's not a new sport for the Carolinas. It's just, you know, we haven't had an MLS team here to be able to support We've had USL clubs. We've had other other organizations here in the past, but um, the the fans aren't unfamiliar with the sport. So while we're new, while Charlotte FC is new, um, you have fans coming out from all the nooks and crannies all throughout the Carolinas to to support the team. And so um, being in Bank of America Stadium, I mean, like you guys have seen, like you know, we, we have to problem solve different things with TFOs and being able to smoke and figure out where the capo stands work, um, right? Because this is all new to us and being able to figure this out in a football stadium first that was built in the mid nineties versus a soccer specific stadium um, that's current and up to date, like Austin or Columbus or um, Nashville. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it has its cons, but um, it's ours. We have to make it our own. And if, you know, if you come to a match here with us, you'll, you'll, you'll hear us. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I know it's, uh, um, I know it's certainly, uh, uh, obviously year one, David, and, and again, yeah. welcome. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, has the ownership group, said anything or mentioned anything about potentially building a soccer specific stadium. I think about the land and, and everything that's around the Carolinas. I have family who lives in Raleigh and, and uh, around that area um, apex specifically. Yeah. Um, any, any plans from that ownership group to build a soccer specific stadium? Man, I, I, I wish I knew. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I will say um, it is a really bad kept secret that 
you know, David Tepper wants a new football stadium here in Charlotte. So um, there's rumors out there that there's um, a new stadium in the works locally, not far from where Bank of America Stadium is now. Um, personally speaking and selfishly, like I would love for them to build a new stadium and turn BOA into a soccer specific stadium or site there. Um, Pipe Dream would be something like you see at, um, what is it, Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami, where they've added, you know, um, a roof to it almost to kind of make it more like a dome. Um, I would love to see something like that happen, but they haven't really come out and said anything. Um, obviously, you've got some stuff in the works with, you know, the Panthers having a new headquarters down in Rock Hill. Um, Charlotte FC is still working on their headquarters here in Charlotte. So it would be great, but they haven't really come out and said anything with that currently. David, that was the wrong yeah. answer. I think you meant to say <laughs> Subaru Park, not the sponsors change man <laughs> yeah. it was funny uh jose when as as dave was kind of talking about that like experience being the football stadium. i mean how different do you think the union's uh you know fan base or or even growth would have been if we had played all of our games in lincoln financial field i mean it, what is your what are your thoughts on if, if we had gone that route rather than kind of building ppl park or talent energy whatever it was back in the day Oh, Jesus, Mike, you even going through the different names is just spinning so many different <laughs> memories over the years. And and David's absolutely right. The, whoever's got the deepest pockets typically gets their name on that on that shiny, shiny billboard. Um, but, you know, I was I, I did attend a few games at the link uh, soccer games at the Lincoln um, Stadium, and it really wasn't fun. And this is a conversation I think I had with someone not so not too long ago uh, on Twitter of, you know, <clears throat> you think of stadiums that. Uh, Foxborough, for example, Gillette, I guess is really the name of it uh, for the New England Revolution, where you watch on ESPN Plus and you see so many scattered bodies around the bottom bowl. And ultimately they say, yeah, there were 13,000 people. And I'm thinking to myself, that cannot be fun. I mean, <laughs> to have a concentrated 13,000 people, which is what we have typically at Subaru Park, is just a completely different atmosphere than have 13,000 spread out. I don't know how many sections are on the bottom bowl of, uh, you know, the, the, the Charlotte stadium, or again, back to Gillette with our friends up in the North. Well, not friends, our foes up in, yeah. North, in the Northeast, <laughs> but certainly a, a different atmosphere altogether. So I, 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 you know, I know that for the longest time we were criticizing the union and rightfully so, but man, must we commend them for building such a beautiful stadium where there is absolutely not one bad seat to be at. No, exactly. And I guess that's kind of segues to my next question for you, David. Uh, how how many people are coming up? Do you know if the away supporters are coming up in, in droves up to Chester tomorrow? So I, I do know a few. Um, I, I would probably say, give or take 100, maybe 200, if that um, is, is wow. I think 200 is max. So I, mean, I would say that's being conserved is around 100. So I know when we went to D.C. for our very first game, I mean, we had 300-ish people come up from Charlotte. Um, Atlanta, we had probably around 250. So um, we, we do have a pretty loyal following. Um, you know, Chester, Philly, that area, they're starting, I think, to get out the range where people will drive in a day. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be excited. I do know we're going to have some folks out there. Um, hopefully, I mean, selfishly, I want to see some mint and some blue and white Carolina <laughs> baby blue out there. So um, hopefully we can see that on TV there and maybe you can hear us, but, you know, we'll see. So, um, but I do know a few folks from Blue Furia. I know folks from Mint City Collective are going up. They're definitely meeting nice. up there either later tonight or early tomorrow morning before going to the game. 
Well, that's listen, awesome. I, I'm the one to 200 is great. I think for your first away game to Philly, I think that's an awesome number. I mean, how many times Jose have we seen fan clubs with 15, 20 people up there? It's just like this small little away section. Oh um, my gosh, Mike! Even even this past uh, this last home game where it was the freeze out, where I was doing the the live tweeting for you all, uh, yes, yes. just my God! Even looking across, even in the you know the 140 was strong. We're we're strong in that section. We're there, yeah. uh, game in and game out. Whether it's raining, thundering, lightning, whatever you want to call it, we're there. But man, that supporter section was was the away section was not there at all. I I, I am not even joking. It was empty. So yeah. David, to hear 200 strong, 150, 200 strong. I'm really excited to yell at them. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. So that's the, the thing too, is that, so the Oasis, I don't know, for those who don't know Super Park and the dimensions of it, uh, there is the River End, which is where the Suns of Ben and um, the Keystone Ultra sit. It's right, you know, like, you know, right by the river. And then you have the Oasis section in that corner next to it. Uh, basically what, Jose, 25, 50 feet away in terms of, of the distance between that one rail into the next railing for the river. Yeah. And so um, as somebody who used to sit in front of the away section every single time I could, uh, you can hear everything and the fans are going to be chirping back and forth. Um, so yeah, even, even just 100 people being there uh, is still better than I expected for, for an expansion team. And uh and, and listen, for those 100 people, David, if you can relay the message to to them, all we care about as Philly fans is be loud. If you're going to be in a, a waste supporter section, be loud, have fun, be respectful. But the worst thing is when you have those away supporters, be quiet. Like get into yeah. the game, make it a fun environment. Um, and, you know, hopefully you guys lose. But if not, if you guys do <laughs> win, just be nice about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and don't get too rowdy. Um, but that's 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 incredible stuff. Um and now in terms of, I guess, you know, your schedule and, and, you know, you've only played a handful of games so far, as has everybody, right? You played one match sure. in February and, you know, the four matches in, in, in March. Um, you start out the year with a 3-0 loss to DC United, but things have kind of come around of the past month. You know, you have the the 1-0 loss to LA Galaxy, which is a, is a tough win, a tough, you know, loss right there. And then you have uh, the past two matches. You've won two in a row and you've scored five goals in those two matches. So, you know, let us into the into the background. How has the fan base reacted to their to their start, and how do you think the team has started so far? So I would say the fans um, are, are optimistic right now. Um, they knew it was me a work in progress. Um, we had a lot of international slots, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people on Twitter and the internet was giving Charlotte some crap about early on. <laughs> was that they they had a lot of international spots. So you had a lot of players coming in late. Um, preseason was really rushed. And I mean, frankly, we, we, we don't have a team headquarters or practice facility here. Right. So they were making do with what they got. So um, I, I will say that that first three games and yes, we started with a three, nothing loss to DC followed up with a one, nothing uh, loss to LA galaxy. And then uh, the heartbreak loss to Atlanta and Atlanta two to one. Um, I will say the theme was, I mean, we had some really bad luck in those games. Um, and the good news was, is that we improved every single match um, up to that point. So DC, obviously very first thing, we didn't have any of our DPs playing. Uh, Carol wasn't there. We had essentially um, our number nine playing as a, up top to hopefully make some magic happen in DC. Um, so I think what you're seeing now is, you know, Carol Swarderski being able to say, hey, like, I mean, scoring four <laughs> goals, basically the past two matches um starting to make a name for himself already and show why he's a dp 
um, is is really great feeling and making fans excited here in Charlotte. I think you're starting to see the, the team get a little bit more familiar with each other as well. And I mean, Miguel Ramirez, the, the head coach, is starting to, I think, figure out what players work best with each other. There's still some small tweaks here and there, and we can get into that if you want from like a formation and players. But um, this week, I, I fully expect to be um, the, almost the same lineup as last week when we played Cincinnati. Um, and hopefully we can come up with the same result. I know you guys don't want to hear that, but I'll be, I'll, I would be happy with the draw from, from walking away from tomorrow. But um, it's, it's been, it's been fun to see because I mean, the past two matches at home have a win. I mean, what three, three to one win, even though, I mean, I know new England came off of, you know, what three games in seven days within that space, but a three to one victory over new England. And then follow that up with a, a two nothing victory in the first clean sheet uh, for mm-hmm. the club with against Cincinnati is is starting to get fans cautiously optimistic and starting to see why yeah. uh, the team is building the way that they are. Uh, to be fair, David, FC Cincinnati is also known as Philadelphia Union too. So uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's not put them up to such a high yes. standard. Yes. Um, but you know, it's it's. I have a question, and and yeah. it's so funny you mentioned um, Miguel Ramirez. Um, who I think was making the rounds in social media uh, pretty early on, or I guess right between preseason and the first game with, you know, just how desperate the situation seemed with that roster. Um, My question for you is, and I know this is something that the union has completely moved away from in that of the MLS draft. At this point, I think we just are so thrilled to see us throwing throwing them away in the trash or, or I guess getting pennies for, or the the, the the draft position for teams like yours for coming into the league or teams that maybe put a little bit more weight onto it. But sure. I'd love for you to talk about Mr. Bender and the type of pressure that he is experiencing as a first-year player being drafted from the University of Maryland. And what is the feeling from your supporters group and, and the expectations for him, for him as a year one player and not so much an academy player like we have with the Aronson brothers? Yeah, I, I, I will say, I think even for myself, and I, if you ask a lot of fans, um, they're they kind of shocked, to be honest with you. I think they went into that expansion draft or, um, and, or that super draft really to say, you know, pieces we're getting here is going to be for depth, especially for these kids coming out of college. Um, and then to now have a, a player that's what, early 20s, 21 years old, right out of college, being able to play almost what, two two matches, three matches in a row, full full 90 minutes starting. Um, that's, that's frankly unheard of, at least for us. Right. So, um, fans here are really excited for him. I will say like at the beginning of our games, they introduce the players and, you know, you, you have Carol starting to get some chance, but you know, Bender's definitely starting to make a name for himself here locally. So, um, I will say like, I, it's, it's great to see him already make so much progress. And the, the thing that's been great to see too, is like, he's, he was kind of played out of position at their beginning, like coming out of college, he was more of like that that um, midfield role and then against DC against Atlanta against LA, they were kind of playing about a winger position. Right. Um, and so for I me, mean, if you watch the Cincinnati game, if you watch the new England game, um, they, they kind of started them out as, as a left wing left mid, and then they kind of forced them inside in that second half. Um, but progress for him. I mean, he's, he's a bigger, bigger guy compared to what we had at the wing position previously um, when he gets possession. Um, he's scrappy with the ball. Like it's not like he's going to lose possession really easily um, and be able to, um, you know, make some assists happen, which I think you've seen. I think he's almost got three or four assists already uh, within four games, which is amazing. Like progress for a super draft player already. 
So, David, I guess a follow-up question as we continue to explore the roster and really the moves that a first-year team has to make. Uh, and I know we, we experienced it, Mike, when we were, we were, we were coming into the scene. And, and I know you, you weren't on the union um, fan wagon uh, when it first started. I think you came in a little bit later. Um, 2012, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that first-year roster and thinking to myself, oh, my God, Danny Califf and some of these some of these other <laughs> players that, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? But ultimately, that's what we had to do. Right. Um, yep. And when it comes to having to do things that maybe you're not so thrilled about, I would go back to signing Freddie Adu, to signing some of these other players that are, um, you know, um, <laughs> jersey like, sellers, per se. Yeah, uh, more, yeah. More than anything, they're your merchandise sellers. But that doesn't have to be the role that they'll take. I think of, you know, what LA Galaxy has done over the years or maybe some pieces that don't fit into the scheme that they're trying to, to build on, but rather help the, the fiscal responsibility as we go back to that term of, of ownership and having to make as much money as possible. Is Christian Fuchs falling into that same pattern? Has he done what it's expected for him? I mean, he's a, a PL winner. Uh, we don't have many of those roaming around the MLS anymore. Um, so I'm intrigued to hear what the supporters feel about him and and really is he a two three-year player is he in for a one-year cash check out and move on type of type of thing i'm, I'm intrigued yeah um i mean I, I would say when you see the name right and we sign him in that summer you, you like you said a former epl you know winner there right it's it's a big name um initially i would say i think a lot of fans were kind of like all right you know it's a, it's an older player probably driving some Jersey sales there coming out of a pandemic and trying to get some excitement for first year kick or first uh, kickoff. Right. Um, I will say like, he's played a lot more than what I expected. Um, he's played almost full 90 minutes, almost every match so far. Um, but I think what you're going to see um, and with Miguel, he, the formations that he's running almost of the past four games or five games, um, they're not the same every match. And I think it's also helping uh, Christian be able to, to last this long, right? He's not playing every match as a left back. He's not being left alone on the island out there. And he's, um, I mean, if you look at, uh, I believe in the New England game, he was playing like a like a left center back almost. And or even last week, left center back while Moore was on a left back. So um, the speed is his issue going up against some of these younger, faster guys. And you do see teams start to attack him there. But um, for me, I think it's been great. I think the players you're seeing somebody from a leadership role, um, he is very active with the with the younger guys in the team. He is amazing with the fans. Like you can tell, he he is enjoying his time here in the stadium and and Charlotte. He stays late and signs jerseys and takes pictures and is appreciative of the fans here. So it's not someone that's just coming in and signing and saying, "Hey, I'm just making a quick check and then and then leaving." Um, he he does seem appreciative here and and is enjoying his time. Now, what I say this time next year, would I would I want him starting again? 90 minutes for the first five games maybe not uh, you know what we'll see but i would still love to have him here on the roster or have him some have some kind of role here in charlotte um just because it seems like the players and the staff and really the fans like are taking a liking to him it seems like he's he's a great guy so and and you don't want to forget about the the phone book right when is he gonna call some more of his friends Correct. on the leicester team right are we gonna see a, a, a jamie vardy stick in the east right. coast and have his rochester team but also play in north carolina I, I don't know it might be intriguing it's a rolodex right I, and i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he's a pretty big golf guy right too and we've got some <laughs> golf uh golf places down here in charlotte he yeah. can he can enjoy so if christian can make that call i'm sure that would be 
well appreciative of some fans here. So <laughs> it's so funny you guys mentioned in Jose, you know, old names and old faces. Uh, Eric, who's actually going to be on the show next week with us, um, he's mentioning Connor Casey as one of those old names. And so, yeah, you you think back, you know, even seven years ago, all those names that come through the Union uh, franchise. But I guess one question I have for you, David, this kind of goes back to your point about uh, Bender. You know, uh, from what looking at, at the team's you know background and, and research online today, it seems like the the mantra or the theme, or I guess the culture of the of the squad is that you know go for it, kind of be aggressive out there. Don't just settle for being conservative. Go out and you know try to win every single match to your best of your abilities, um, and that I guess could be the identity of the club. Um, from hearing Jim Curtin's press conference this past week, uh, he he talks about Bender and he mentions, you know, he plays with a confidence and a certainly a respect for the game, but also no fear. He's going to probably be a household name by the end of the year for those that watch week in and week out. So my question for you, and I guess kind of going off what the union have, I mean, we have, you know, the homegrowns down in Argentina this past week for the U.S. youth national team scoring six of the seven goals, but they all have the same relative personality they have that grit that aggressiveness the uh, go for it mentality that philly mentality same thing with alejandro bedoya being the captain um how do you see this team's culture coming together and how do you think bender do you think he can be a cornerstone for having the team's identity and, and what they want to become in the near future yeah i mean i mean Bender's definitely, I mean, he's, he's a kid still, man. He, he's young. Um, yeah. He's, he's learning a lot. So I, I would say from a team culture perspective, I mean, yeah, he, he's definitely going to give it his all. Um, I would say every single player here um, really puts their best foot forward. There's not, it doesn't seem like we have any of those guys in the locker room or, or at least that we can tell um, that is, you know, a locker room cancer or anything like that, or being able to kind of, kind of, you know, have that mentality. So um, when it comes to like the team and identity, I mean, like, uh, Miguel really likes to um, have possession of the ball and play out of the back a lot. Right. And I think what you're going to see a lot of, at least with against you guys potentially is that you're going to see a lot of possession of the backfield and it hopefully capitalize on those, those transitions. And I think having Bender um, in that, in that role is going to help. Right. Um, I know we have a lot of fans in, in Charlotte that are already talking about like, Hey, when's, When's Bender going to get a call up, you know, for the national team and be able to kind of be some of those younger guys that at least make a roster. But I don't know if he's quite there yet. Uh, it's only been four games, so we'll we'll see. But, um, you know, it, if he can be a cornerstone guy, I mean, the fact of the matter that he's getting so much playing time that Miguel obviously really likes him already. Um, I, I do think he's going to be a cornerstone for someone to move up here um, long term for the club and be a name here that people, you know, know for a while. Uh, David, another question for you, and, and maybe this answer is a little hazy, if not, sure. just hasn't developed quite yet as this is still year one, though, you know, the build up to it probably adds up to two or three at this point, but back to Mr. Tepper, uh, your prime investor and ownership as a whole, what's that relationship like between you, a supporter groups, not just yours, but the other four or five that you alluded to earlier? Uh, I know that the relationship with the Philadelphia Union and the ownership group has been rocky from time to time. And I think the sentiment <laughs> is that, you know, we sell quite a bit, we reinvest internally with our youth uh, uh, teams, and that's absolutely lovely. But ultimately, I, I think we can argue Mike, myself and, and Dave and really any other Philadelphia Union fan watching and listening that Mikel Ua is really the first splash of cash that we've ever made. Uh, and we're a team that's 
10 years old, you know, that's, it's unbelievable considering the pieces and assets that we have sold and that of Mark McKenzie and Brandon Aronson, and probably not too long from now, the other Aronson uh, in the coming years. So I'm intrigued to hear what that relationship is like between you as a supporter or the supporter groups and ownership. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, right now there, there's, there's definitely trust. I mean, we're what four or five games in it's our first season. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that hopefully that any organization or club's not going to screw something up where the supporters are going to be, you know, livid at the ownership group already at this point. So, um, there, there is trust there. I would say like one of the unique things that the team has done, and I'm sure you guys have seen is, you know, have someone like Sean McIntosh, which is that chief fan officer role, um, and be that really liaison between the supporters and the team. Um, is Sean always going to agree with us? And is the team always going to agree with the supporters? <clears throat> Absolutely not. Um, but at least we know we have someone that does understand supporter like, mentality and what we want, understands the sport and soccer, and has that voice at the table with you know David Tepper, with Nick Kelly, with the club, and at least represents us for the most part from that perspective. Um, it, it's It's been great so far from that point of view. Um, could there have been things that have gone better? Of, of course, you know, like selfishly what I've wanted to have the team kick off in 2021 versus 2022. Absolutely. You know, there's things like that. What I would not like to have PSLs. Absolutely. Like that, that those kind of things have been there, but when it comes to seeing the investment back into the team, seeing some of the investment back into the stadium um, with the community outreach that they're doing, at least they are putting their foot forward and saying, Hey, you know, we're building that trust with the supporters and the, and the, community and the fans. Um, so like right now it's pretty good. Six months from now, let's say for example, they sell a bunch of players, you know, we might have a different perspective at that point, but we'll see. So. Thank you, David. Well, I I guess one question that kind of, as you just mentioned there with the community, I mean, so for, for those who don't know, um, Chester is, um, a part of the Philadelphia area. Um, and, and what the Philadelphia Union and the, and the Sons of Ben community and the Keystone Ultras, the entire fan group as a whole, have tried to do is be involved with Chester. And if you go to Subaru Park, you can buy Chester High School gear. And they've been trying to make it so that it's not like we're just parking our stadium here and kind of taking your space. We're actually becoming part of Chester and becoming part of your community. And I feel like they've they've earned the respect of the local Chester residents and the local Philadelphia residents because they, you know, they are trying to be part of this area. Um, you know, can you talk about anything that maybe the club or supporters have been doing to kind of get out to the community or, or ways people can even join and, and help out as yeah. well? Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak for everything the club has done, but I, I can share a few things that they've done. I can, I can go into detail what, what Mint City Collective and the other supporters have done, but um, the team, I mean, I'll, I'll say like, the plans that they have for the team headquarters is it's the old Eastland mall location. And for those who aren't in Charlotte, um, it, it's an East Charlotte. It's, it's an old mall location. It was like the crown jewel for Charlotte back in the eighties um, for a lot of the youth here. Right. Um, and as times changed, you know, it's, it's become early nineties, late nineties, it became a lower income part of town. It became more of a Latin based community out there. Um, and you're going to be able to see now that they're reinvesting into that part of the town. Like you said, they're not just going to park up, a team headquarters there to be able to say, Hey, this is, you know, here's soccer, right? They've at least reached out to the community. Um, they actually have done a few uh, community pitches. So for a while there, they were, I think they were going to do 22 community pitches throughout the, throughout the Carolinas and Charlotte where they're going into lower income communities, um, places where they don't have uh, access to the sport or fields and building these mini pitches for, for fans and for kids out there to go enjoy. Right. Um, 
David Tepper and I believe his wife, Nicole Tepper, have done a ton of community work in terms of donations here in, in the Carolinas. Um, but I don't know all those off the top of my head. But I will say when, one of the uni unique things that we have as a supporter group with Mint City Collective, but then also with others on the council, um, we have a requirement to be on the council that you actually do community outreach at least once a quarter. Um, and so you have to be able nice. to share that. So these five different groups, um, so like Mint City Collective, Blue Furia, Uptown <coughs> Ultras, Carolina Hooligans, um, Southbound and Crown, like they, we, we want them to be active in the community because like selfishly we're, we live here. We want to be an impactful. The fact that I have thousands of members or, you know, 1500 members with Mint City Collective to be able to say, Hey, let's, let's get behind this and impact our local community is the biggest thing that we do. Um, I mean, with, with us, like we volunteer with the organization with Block Love, um, which, you know, helps feed and have items for homeless here in Charlotte. Um, we, we've adopted streets, we've adopted highways to help clean up and do park cleanups. Um, we've done coat drives, things like that throughout the, throughout the time frame. So, um, you know, it community is near and dear to my heart. It's something that we could always do more of. And it, that's the great thing with soccer is it really helps bind all these different communities together and you become neighbors and community or community members with these folks and you can impact their lives for a positive some way, somehow with it as well. Um, yeah, David, absolutely. I know we're a handful. Ahead, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I know we're a handful, no, 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 of go ahead, go ahead. In, handful of games in, and and yeah. uh, we don't we don't want to put the cart before the horse. And, and certainly, Philadelphia is feeling pretty good about being top of the the rankings. We just went to the Mickey Mouse Field that is uh, New York FC, uh, <laughs> and and figured out how to win there. And I think emphatically won this last match. It was yeah. it was not a question on, on who was the better team. I believe. Um, but what are the expectations for the club this year uh, for you as a supporter and what has been openly or, or, you know, <laughs> externally shared by the team of the expectations for this year? I know that, you know, we, after many, many years, and I think now three or four years of consistently winning many games and getting, you know, top three, if not, you know, the top of the table for the East, we expect that. What are the expectations for, you guys as a first year team now. Yeah, I'll share what the team shared with us first, and then I'll share my expectations. But the team um, kind of put the cart before the horse a little bit and <laughs> shared like, hey, you know, we, we want to host a playoff match. So mm -hmm. like that, that's in, in year one. So, you know, that's the expectation that Kelly, when he was the president for Charlotte FC, shared with folks here in the community is like, that's what they want to do. So for us to do that, we have to do pretty well, right? Um, when it comes to my expectations, and I think majority of the club is that what I want to see each week is be competitive, but then improve week over week. Um, selfishly, yeah, I want to be in the playoffs. I want to be able to see that and be, you know, sixth, fifth on the table would be great, right? Um, but for me, again, just that consistent improvement. We have just one DP playing right now. We have our second DP coming off of injury and about to be uh, working towards game shape here soon. Um, and we still have that third DP slot. And so my expectation is the team to use that come summertime to have that push um, and really get us competitive. Right. And so for me, this first half of the season is just be competitive, be middle of the table. And then by summertime, make that final push and be really competitive to hopefully get us to the playoffs by the end of the season. Yeah, that's really interesting because as I, I, I'm not sure if Mike and, and uh, Dave uh, did, a, you know, like, guessing what the table looks like at the end of the year, but I know I did. And when I looked at Charlotte, I, I must admit, I really have you guys on the fringe. Uh, and yeah. that was based on the signings you had when 
you still you were still waiting on a draft. You were still trying to figure <laughs> out what was going to happen because yeah. I really do believe there's such a thing as the freshman balance, right? You really have yes. an energetic team that expectations are so low from other teams that they underestimate you. So I, uh, Godspeed uh, in hosting a game, uh, <laughs> yeah. but certainly I, I really do believe you guys will be very, very competitive since I see teams like the Chicago's of the world that maybe they're, uh, they're good, but I just don't see how they're going to make the playoffs when things really shake out. It's, it's very early on. Yeah. It's a, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that at least from a, from a fan perspective. Cause I remember, um, and maybe it's just for me being a Charlotte fan, you, you, you always have that bulletin board material where, you know, people are, you know, bashing on you at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And so there, there was a lot of folks that said, you know, bottom of the table, second, the second to last at the beginning of the season. But um, I think you, you've seen over the past two matches again, it's just two, it's just two matches, but those are two wins and they've, the team's progressively got better each match. So I think that's giving us something to be hopeful for. And then, like I said earlier, we've got our second DP about to start um, probably mid to late April. And then we still have that third DP spot that we could potentially use as well. Yep, exactly. So I'm looking at the table now. I just brought it up. I mean, going back to, um, to well, first of all, NYCFC, you know, put that asterisk across. So thank you, Eric, for making sure they know that it was a ridiculous end to that season. And lastly, he, he you know, just to let you know, David, uh, if you come to a playoff game, you're more than welcome to lose in Chester anytime you want. So that's that. That's <laughs> some uh, friendly rivalry right there. But no, it's, gotcha. if you look at this at this team or this, this uh, conference before the season started. And I think, Jose, you and I had talked about Montreal being a team that we thought could have been a bit dangerous. And now they're you know currently in the 13th spot. Charlotte is in the eighth position right now uh, in front of Cincinnati and New York City and New England, another team that we thought you know would have high expectations. So uh, the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, is definitely wide open, especially for those few bottom spots in the playoffs. And I could certainly see a scenario where you guys are at least competitive towards the, thing, the end of the year. And I think that's what you want. If you're trying to build a fan base, if you're trying to build a community, you want a competitive team every single week. If you're going to lose, at least lose fighting every single time. Uh, and that seems to be what you're doing, at least within the last month. You know, you're competing every single match and you're also winning matches now. Um, so like, like we mentioned before, you have that three, one victory over new England and then the two zero um, shutout over, over Cincinnati. But tomorrow, tomorrow evening, you come to Chester uh, to face the number one team in the Eastern conference. And as you mentioned already, you have done multiple formations. You've played around with the roster a bit. What are you thinking is, is, is uh, what do you think this Ch- uh, Charlotte team is going to look like tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, I hinted at it earlier, but I think it's going to be something similar to what we had against Cincinnati. Um, Miguel's played with the roster a little bit. We still have some guys out on international. So um, Franco was out on international leave. Uh, McCoon, who was, who's been our starting center back, um, is out on international leave as well. So two of our starters out. But um, what you've seen is almost like a traditional 4-4-2, but almost like a diamond form- mm-hmm. formation there in the center. Um, and being able to have... Um, Rios and Swiderski up on top, which has been really successful. I think the past two matches, like like I said earlier, the fact that Swiderski's got two goals in each one, um, almost had a hat trick, and almost frankly both of them, um, I think is has been great. Right. Um, the thing that scares me a little bit is that the fact that um, Philadelphia, you guys have been able to have such little possession and still score and win so many games, um, and so the the biggest thing that has helped Charlotte the past two games that we've won is that we've scored early and then we've been able to hopefully hold on to possession and hold on to that lead. If we don't score early, that's where I think we're going to have a little bit of a problem because of how 
dangerous you guys are with that counterattack um, because you guys can still win without having possession. Um, with our past two games, the reason why we've won is because we've had possession and we've gotten that lead early and we've sat on it after that a little bit. Jose, I'm going to take it to you for this question because of two things he said there kind of give me concern for tomorrow. Which And another reason why I think Philadelphia fans have to realize this is not going to be a cakewalk. I think a lot of people had expectations they would blow out San Jose, even though there was some concern that they maybe be retooled this year. That was not the case. I thought we played pretty well overall. Um, but I think people see expansion team and think, ah, this is going to be easy. But two things that stood out to me there is scoring early and, you know, pressing up high with, with – um, uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Swiderski, right? Being yeah. forward. Um, him being on a bit of a streak right now. What are you thinking hearing his thoughts on it and, and what this team has been able to do? And some concerns that we have with Philly giving up early goals at times. Yeah, I think that I think it's going to be a very interesting and, and you can circle this right on the chart when you see the lineups come up. But seeing what Charlotte puts up front, which should be Swiderski, if, if he's healthy. I know there was a little bit of a hoobla with him being not healthy, but suddenly playing despite being told or, or telling the, the his national federation that he wasn't good to go. So neither here or there, but ultimately circle that matchup between him and facing Elliot and also Glessness. That's going to be super interesting to watch, especially with how dynamic that man is and moving back and forth and trying to run behind shoulders. And we have super capable center backs. That's not a question, but we also have not faced a striker like that just this year. Um, I would say that the last one that we faced was probably somebody like a Tati Castellano. So I guess we technically did, <laughs> but he was nowhere to be seen. He was pocketed by both Glessness and Elliot. So if Glessness and Elliot were able to pocket a Castellanos, I'm excited to see what, how well they can handle a Swiderski, which David, I'm sorry, selfishly, I hope that he ends up on the left pocket of each one during this game okay. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll say, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand. And, and I will say like one thing that um, it's not showing up on the stat sheets or being able to say, and something to watch out for is Rios up on top with him. Um, that's what's been kind of the unlock for Charlotte the past two weeks is that Rios does a lot of the dirty work. He's able to hold up play in possession and help uh, Swarderski be able to get free um, and roam up there on the top a little bit. Um, when we've had Swarderski there with Atlanta um, and DC, he was up top by himself, or not DC, I'm sorry, uh, LA and um, Atlanta, he was up top by himself. And the past two weeks, they put two up top, and it's been able to kind of add a little bit more possession and a little bit more pressure um, for you guys. So it, it is a, it's something that's going to be great to watch because I know you guys have those, those center backs there, um, and they've, they've made people be quiet. And so it'll be interesting to see how Carroll shows up um, on the stat sheet tomorrow. Yeah, or he doesn't. Or he doesn't, right. Or, yeah, or he doesn't, exactly. <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of the interesting things about the union over the past year and, and a half or so, and I don't, know, I don't know how much you watched of them last year, but one of the concerns we had last season was the fact that they had those mental lapses where they'd be playing fine and you know, they just will completely collapse on, on the defense for a short period of time. And next thing you know, they're down one, nothing. And Jose, I mean, you can attest to this. How many times are we down a goal within the first 25 minutes or so? And as Jim Curtin preaches over and over and over, the Philadelphia union are not a team that can play from behind. They have to get the goal early, lock down on defense and, and just basically suffocate the other team, um, which is where players like Jose Martinez and, and Glessness and Elliot come into play with being that, that, um, you know, that enforcer, I guess you could say, on the on the, on the the defense. Now, to start the season, we had Olivier Mimbizo starting the right back position, and he was 
not very good at all. He was benched almost well, the next, the second game of the season uh, for Nathan Harriel, who has awoken this defense in a way to really solidify that right back spot. So, um, you know, one concern I have and, and what Curtin highlighted with Swiderski is his ability to go behind a line and his ability to score off free kicks and his ability to create goals on himself and be that triple threat, that, you know, multifaceted attacker that, you know, is, can be so dangerous. Um, I'm concerned with, with Nathan a bit, you know, will he lose his man a bit if, if, you know, cause he is still a kid. I mean, that's the thing with the union is we do have a lot of teenagers out there playing. Um, so that, that's one of my concerns uh, with, with the union and, and in terms of just, you know, containing Swiderski, uh, we've done well as, as Jose mentioned, containing certain elite players. Uh, we saw this a bit last season, but you know, at the same time, you guys score goal early and off a fluke thing like we saw, against that was in Montreal, I believe, uh, Jose. Um, the whole game can change, you know, within a second. So, uh, Jose, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on Harry Allen and how he think, you think he might perform tomorrow facing this this Charlotte team that you know is going to attack? I, I truly do believe that he knows that it's his job to lose. Uh, and yep. seeing that there is a potentially World Cup-bound player behind him and what that must do to someone like uh, Mbizo to see that, you know, he's in a group that could be facing the Brazils of the world in November, uh, and he could be a second-choice uh, defender for Cameroon. He knows he needs to be at his uh, peak performance the next few months, especially as the season winds down in November uh, leading into the World Cup. So for Mr. Harrell, I think he just he knows he needs to perform in every single game. The, the, the leash is very short in that of how much Jim is going to allow him to mess up. Uh, and that's just the yep. beauty of this team, as we Mike spoke about in a previous podcast that I joined you guys in. It's just there's a lot of depth of this team, and the whole idea of next man up really does apply to this team, which is not something that a lot of teams yep. can actually say when it comes to their roster depth and, and maybe not skipping much of a beat. Go back to last season's finale against New York City FC. We had basically the practice squad taking them to the 11th hour and keeping it keeping the game alive so i think that has carried over and mike i'll correct you uh i think we're getting better with the montreal come from behind win i know you mentioned that we don't do well unless we score early but that was that was an anomaly something to keep in mind especially yes, the red card yeah that's true the red card threw a whole wrench into the in the entire thing and and that also played a, a big factor with what we could see from Mikael ua so we haven't seen him basically all season we saw him briefly in the montreal game um he comes on it's 11 on 11 we get a red card next thing you know he's we're basically down a man we really don't get to see what he can do minus a few flashes according to jim Curtin, uh they may start him they most likely will come have him come off as a reserve and this will be a very interesting test to see him kind of go and and see how he can play against someone like Swiderski you know you know seeing who's the better striker who's the better attacker between the two clubs um <laughs> but uh for Union fans this is a very fun experience because this may be the first time we see extended time with him on the pitch um now I guess one question that I thought of as as you as you were talking Jose David with these changing formations and this team still trying to figure things out how have you felt the substitutions have been or, or what are some reserves off your bench that you feel like you guys can rely on on a week-to-week basis yeah um so I would say early in the season, I was not a fan of the substitutions at the start. Um, it seemed like Miguel was trying to just see what he had a little bit. He was waiting really long into the games to make subs, um, like 80th minute almost to kind of make these subs. Um, yeah. I will say with, you know, with Franco out on international, 
um, and with McCoon out international, you know, we have some of our reserves or potential starters kind of filling in or, you know, filling in as starters within that midfield, which is, I think, going to be like the biggest watch out for you guys for us and, and where you can make a difference. Right. And so with Franco there, um, I think we've had almost I, I, I want to say we've almost had a different like starting lineup in the midfield almost every game this this season so far um, leading up to this point. So you've had Al Alcivar now playing um, as a starting. We had Sergio Ruiz, who Charlotte fans penciled in as a number six as that CDM almost. And we had him almost as more of an attacking um, midfielder last week. Um, Derek Jones, who is a guy that we signed from Houston or traded for from Houston um, like two and a half weeks ago. And he started as a CDM compared to Brant Bronico, who um, started the first three games as a CDM. So you've seen a lot of movement in that midfield because I think Miguel's been trying to figure out what works best, what combination of players really feed off each other well, understand the space. And um, again, going back to earlier, like I said, Miguel wants the wants possession and wants the team to play out of the back. Um, and and even if you look at that Carroll goal, um, ten out of our eleven players touched the ball within the in, within sixty seconds of that play and lead up to that goal. So we play out of the back. We get a lot of players involved. It gets fed through that spine and then it goes out to the wings and it goes from there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the lineup is tomorrow in that midfield. I have a feeling it'll be the same as last week, which will be good from a consistency perspective, but. Um, if, if there's an area, if you guys attack, it's going to be that a little bit, um, just because it seems like the players have not started consistently in that same, same spot week after week. So real quick, before I pass it to Jose about a question, um, regarding the, the substitutions for the union, I believe you said the name Derek Jones. Is that correct? Is that yes. former Philadelphia union, Derek Jones? I haven't heard that name in forever. We were talking about <laughs> old names and old, old people. I'm like, wait a minute. I think he's he said Derek he Jones. Was, and that was, he was yeah, a stud. As he learning. I would love yeah, to know what you on, guys what you guys think about think him. I went on his Wikipedia. So he's back in 15. He signed with Bethlehem Steel FC. I mean, this is going back way, way back. And in 2016, he signed as a homegrown contract. So you're going six years now, you know, five, six years now. I, I don't remember, honestly, Jose. What do you what are your thoughts, remembrance of uh of Derek Jones? I think he was uh basically the backup to Maurice Adu when we needed someone to just clog up the middle okay. and, and transition. I don't think he was anything more than that, to be honest with you. But there was something about him wearing that black that black Bethlehem steel jersey that I used to love. Uh yeah. that that I always I always liked him. I, I always thought that man, he got he got the the short end of the stick, especially with um with with you know when you sign a player like Maurice Adu of a national caliber coming from I think at the time Rangers uh, it's 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 tough to say I'm gonna beat this guy out especially with how much money he's making um, but yeah no gosh uh, yeah I remember seeing his name on the uh, Charlotte roster and thinking ah the memories oh uh, yeah I'm, that's that's so long ago now <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, what, is, uh, what has Charlotte done so far with, with Derek? And how has he been involved with the team so far? Yeah, I, and I, just to kind of go back, like I shared earlier, um, Brent Bronico has been a former Chicago Fire player. It was that like six and set CDM the first three games. Um, and I think what you saw last week was uh, really the week before against New England, he kind of came in and subbed off the field. But they they were wanted someone with a little bit more legs, a little bit more size there in that that CDM, right? Again, while it, it is a 4-4-2, that middle has been more of a diamond. So they've been playing almost, I don't want to say like, you know, I'm going to age myself here, like that stopper role. But, um, you know, Derek Jones has been able to add some size to them a little bit. Um, they're 
in the midfield and has been able to kind of be a little more physicality and be able to have that possession for them there. So um, Brant's been fantastic when he started for us. And, you know, he subbed on the field last week too. But Jones has been a lot more physical in that center that CDM role currently. And I, if they want to sit and be more defensive if we go up early, I think that's what they're going to ha- hopefully lean on him to do for us. Nice. And now uh, going to a comment that uh, Eric left, you know, you mentioned that the late substitution sounds a lot like what Jim Curtin used to do as Eric to hear, you know, many fans have had issues with the, uh, the substitutions at time from coach Curtin, but uh, in terms of our institutions, you know, Jose, what can you share about what field he has to offer? And, and those young homegrown kids that are coming to chess are really on fire right now. It, it's it, it's something that I think Jim addressed in a way uh, in his press conference and saying, you know, I, I really owe it to the guys, but we also have a team that's working right now. So why mess with what's working? Um, but I think the way that you can mess with it while it is working is just making those substitutions, right? It's not like you're penalized for for using them all, right? Or it's not, and it's not like you gain anything by not using them at all. So you have a Quinn Sullivan, you have a Jack McGlynn, you have the uh, I kindly call him baby Aronson, but Paxson, you have the Aronson, uh, the younger Aronson who, my God, every single day that they put any more minutes on that field, their value just continues to grow and make no mistake. The union are in the business of growing these players, using them on the field, selling them, replacing with somebody from somewhere else, and then continuing the cycle. Uh, and ultimately it can just benefit us because there's just so much talent. It's not like we're just throwing names out there to be cones. These are players that can do so, so well, but my gosh, to see Jim start substitutions in the 80th minute when we're only winning by one or maybe trailing or completely tied, it's just completely disappointing. And then again, I'm just a schmuck talking into a computer right now. I'm not Jim Curtin wearing (laughs) super expensive Nikes and joggers every Saturday and Sunday. So, um, he knows more than we do most of the time, but ultimately I think this is one point where he can improve on. Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, I think when the season started, a lot of us thought that Jack McGlynn and Paxton would be the more consistent of the trio um, for for being the substitutions. But lately, Quinn Sullivan has been making a few more appearances, and right now Quinn is on fire. He had the hat trick down Argentina. Like I said, the homegrowns um, have just been, you know, just incredible right now on, on the international stage. Um, so it, it's it's great to see. I would like, as you said, Jose, to see some of the guests come into play tomorrow and, and hopefully as the year continues because we do want to see players like Bueno and what he can do and how he can impact the um, the field on a week-to-week basis. But, uh, yeah, go ahead with another question you have for David regarding uh, the club. Uh, David, this is more of a jokey question, to be completely yep. honest with you, and I'm intrigued to hear what the fans <laughs> think. Uh, uh, I know Philadelphia has uh, really – regarded Jim Curtin for his fashion and what he's been showing up to the field and, and really honestly being the best piece of marketing for most of the stuff that sells out from the team store. Uh, is, is, uh, is, is, is your team selling short sleeve turtlenecks? Uh, oh. <laughs> are those, are those a hot item for you guys? Cause I see those and I think to myself, Oh my goodness, what are we doing down there? Um, I, I will say Miguel has a lot more uh, drip and swag than I could possibly pull off because I don't know if I could pull off um, a sweater with a turtleneck with short sleeves. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I will say, I mean, um, he, there was a shirt that he wore the other day and one of the local uh, establishments, Glory Days here, um, actually replicated it, which is awesome. And it's starting to sell it. I think it, it talks about like no war and, and having peace in Ukraine. But um yeah, I mean, I will say, like, 
every every outfit Miguel has, I'm I'm starting to pay attention to it because I'm like, man, he's only like two or three years older than I am, and I don't think I can rock that outfit. So um, I'm starting to pay attention a little bit more so with it. So. Maybe maybe that comes from looking like the Aldi version of Peg Guardiola. <laughs> I, I saw some other people <laughs> mention Me- Mega Mind and stuff like that too. So it just depends. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> that's awesome david so thank funny. you for thank you for being yeah. humoring me I, I that's something that came to mind as i've seen him you know show up on the sidelines and it's just well, it's always so funny to see the difference in coaches whether whether they're wearing track suits or they're coming in like gym with the hottest jordans and the, the track uh the you know the yeah. the joggers and a sweatshirt or you see pl- uh, coaches that are showing up in suits and you know god bless them especially if they're in charlotte <laughs> god dang right. that's hot yeah. yep yeah, I, I will say, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm interested to see if Miguel keeps it up. And when you guys were talking about, you know, your coach having, you know, hottest Jordans and outfits, I, I started thinking instantly what, what Miguel is going to bring to the table tomorrow. So obviously we have the actual game, but there'll be the pregame outfit comparison there. We got to, we got to, I'll shoot you guys a text or something to see what, who, who wore it better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I mean, listen, speaking of tomorrow, we obviously, you know, we want to talk about a prediction, um, uh, players that might score. I know Swiderski is obviously right now probably one of the favorites to score. And of course, I pull the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook as I always do. He is at plus 310 to score. But if you had to kind of get a feel for the team and who's getting hot at the right time, what do you think is a, is a possible goal score tomorrow for Charlotte? Um, so I would say Swiderski is going to be one. Um, I honestly would say um, Rios is going to be another one that you can keep a lookout. He's had some chances over the past few weeks and he's up top paired with Carroll. Um, so I would not be surprised if he actually has an opportunity to kind of score. Um, outside of that, Ben Bender, if he can get in there, he's got some assists. Um, he, he had a goal against Atlanta. It'd be great if he can be on be on the score sheet there for it. But I know you guys don't want to have anybody on the score sheet tomorrow, so we'll see. <laughs> How about you, Jose? I mean, we obviously Daniel Gazdag has been just absolutely on fire this season. You know, Corey Burke's been kind of finding his own. Um, who do you think puts puts one in the back of the net for the Union? Um, you know, we, we had Bedoya and I can't remember the second goals or Daniel as well, uh, scoring in the NYCFC. I think, uh, I, I actually think that the international break, uh, will do more harm than good for Daniel Gastag and that of cooling him off, you know, coming off of the, the chemistry that he has with the Philadelphia union, going into a national team camp, uh, probably not the, not the best time for us to send an international player out there, but ultimately it's still great experience and a great accolade and thing for the union to have under their belts in a roster but i am still so so intrigued we got this player for peanuts in reality for what he should be worth but julian carranza you know coming from miami and on yeah. a loan a six million dollar player who we're solely paying the salary in reality is somebody who i am so so intrigued and when you finally pair him with Mikel ua i think it's going to be a very very dangerous pairing that a lot of teams will be uh super uh uh, <laughs> I think they're going to be really, really busy with them. So uh, intrigued to see that partnership when it finally comes to fruition. But for tomorrow, I hate to say, it, but I think it's going to be scrappy and it's going to be a Corey Burke header or something like that. Just something random that we don't typically expect or or maybe even, gosh, hopefully uh, a Bedoya goal to make up for the 70 minutes. So he'll be slogging around the field <laughs> as much as I, I appreciate his captaincy. <laughs> 
Yeah, Alejandro. Uh, you know, of course, uh, one of the old, the oldest players on the team, but he's he's found you know fountain of youth a bit. He's been looking better. I think him being paired with Nathan Harry on that right side has certainly helped compared to having Olivier out there. You know, all respect to Olivier, but I think Nathan has certainly earned the spot and has played much better overall in terms of the goal scorer. Yeah, Corey Burke is actually the favorite to score on Fanduel. He's a plus one forty five. Carranza, I've been waiting for that as well, Jose. I I feel like he's he's due eventually to get that goal, and then Mika Ua is a plus. 155 as well. Uh, Rios, as you mentioned, David is at plus 320. And then Medoya also at plus 320. So there's a lot of options on the table for, for goal scorers. I see Quinn Sullivan getting some love now from the sports books because of his recent run. He's at plus, plus 210. So as, as David Miller and I always do, we always put some money down some games. Um, so there's a lot of great options there. So if you uh, think Charlotte's going to put one in the back of the net, I'd say take a ride on Daniel uh, De- Daniel Rios there at the plus 320. But a joking question you and I had talked about before, uh, David, uh, and now a question you kind of wanted me to bring up here is the cheesesteaks in Philly, right? For all those Charlotte people coming to Philly, um, you mentioned Larry's near St. Joe's. I actually have been to Larry's. Uh, mind you, I went to Larry's at like 3 o'clock in the morning after a night out. So, of course, it was excellent. But from what I hear from all the St. Joe's people, um, you know, Larry's is one of the best spots to go to. For myself, as I talked to you about uh, before the show, you know, I'm from South Jersey, so for me, Chick's Deli in Cherry Hill, Yellow Sub in, uh, in Maple Shade, or Donkeys in either Camden or Medford, excellent cheesesteaks, top of the line. So it's not always in Philly, uh, but Jose, have your thoughts. Any any Philly cheesesteak spots or do you think these Charlotte people can go to uh, if they come by for a little bit of food? I must admit, I am not a cheesesteak person. Uh, I, I'm, you know, uh, David, this is this is more of and Mike, probably more of a my, my routine when I go to the stadium, I stop at any one pizza shop, there's one specific in town and where I live where I stop for at the pizza shop, a uh, little tougher when it's a one o'clock kickoff, but they, they they're kind enough to open up a little early so I can pick up mine. But Usually a, a, a meatball parm, get to the stadium, lot C, open up the trunk, sit out there with a fat cigar, drink a few beers, and eat a meatball parm <laughs> during these uh, during these tailgates. So I don't usually venture too far from the stadium. I like to get there and just really sit there and watch it fill up. So I'm sorry I don't have many and many recommendations for a cheesesteak, but if you need a cigar recommendation, I can certainly let you know what I'm bringing tomorrow. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I, I'll say, man. <laughs> go ahead david i was just gonna say next time you come to charlotte you, you can bring the meatball parm down there and we'll we'll get the tailgate we'll show you how we tailgate here in the south for you next time so be good <laughs> love it yeah jose we uh the charlotte game i think i'm trying to remember now i'm, I'm gonna look up the calendar real quick when is that charlotte game that we travel down there i believe it's in J- june or july right um when we go down to charlotte we go down i think in not till oh, jesus september october when is it? October. October 1st is when we go down to Charlotte, a Saturday night game. So it might be a little cold on the tailgate. I don't know how the weather is at, in October in Charlotte. But, hey, listen, you know, maybe we'll bring down some meatball parms and some uh, and some cheesesteaks and, and have at it. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, – trust me, you come to Philly, there's always good food here. <laughs> Looking forward to it, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll say an, an October game, it's either going to be two things in Charlotte. It's going to be sweltering hot during the day and then it's going to be below freezing at night so it's going to make sure you bring layers when you come down but uh yeah that sounds great guys so really looking forward to it if you come down that's so funny well i guess we'll end on here with the last note here david um a prediction for tomorrow's game <clears throat> score wise what, what are you thinking for tomorrow so um i'll, I'll do a quick plug too because I, I do a podcast yeah. with some guys from mint city collective but we did our preview uh episode yesterday on the mint city soccer show 
And so my prediction was a one-to-one draw. Um, and one of the, one of the other hosts, uh, Vaughn actually predicted a two-to-one victory for you guys on that show. Um, so we're not all just homers down here. He, he, he definitely, um, <laughs> is, is seeing that for you guys, but I, I I'm, I'm still going to lean in. I'm going to say a one-to-one draw will be, will be great. I like it. How about you, Jose? What, uh, what are you thinking there for the prediction? Um, I'm thinking a two nothing win for our boys, the Philadelphia union. I think we'll see, uh, one goal each half. One's going to be ugly through Corey Burke coming from across. And then we're going to have a nice little tap in from a Julian Carranza or just maybe, just maybe we finally see Mikel Ua have a nice fast oh. sprint. Cause if you play FIFA ultimate team, he has got a lot of speed and speed kills in that game. <laughs> so he is a fast man and I think he can get away from many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, uh, David, I'm going to agree with one of your, uh, you know, fellow hosts of the two to one. I think I thought offensively right now I was clicking and that worries me. Like I said, as, as better um, as his defense has been with Nathan Harrell back there, I do worry that one gets through Hopefully not the first goal of the game, uh, but I definitely think they can put up a goal. And I, I you know, listen, I, like I, I've been telling you guys earlier, I think Charlotte uh, will certainly make this a fight. I don't think this is going to be an easy one whatsoever. Maybe Jose, maybe, hopefully we do, but I think it'll be more of a battle <laughs> overall. But uh, to end here, uh, David, like I said, first of all, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure yeah. talking to you, getting to know you and making this connection. Um, can you, before you sign off, can you give us one last uh, plug or any sort of note for anyone who wants to join Charlotte FC or the Min City Collective? Yeah, um, I'll just I'll give a quick plug on two things. So um, one of the big things that we do here in the South is um, pregame and tailgate. So if anybody, if you guys come down, you're traveling away supporters, come tailgate with us, come hang out with us. We're, we're gonna be friendly. We have that, you know, Southern charm to be able to welcome anybody there. So uh, come come and hang out with us. Uh, we, we pregame every single match. We have a huge lot. All the supporters come together. It's kind of like our version of the Gulch in Atlanta, right? So um, it's it's a lot of fun. But if, if you're a Charlotte FC fan, you're watching the show, you want to join a supporter group, um, I'm going to be selfish and say, yeah, join Mint City Collective. That's, that's the organization I help support and run. You can check us out on all the different social medias, mintcitycollective.com. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's City collective, but, um, there's tons of different groups out there. Like I said, there's four or five different other groups in Charlotte, check them out as well. Find the right fit. That's best for you. And best thing you can do is come into our stadium and make some noise and, uh, support a club. So, uh, yeah, come, come hang out with us. Awesome, David. I appreciate it. And listen, for all the Charlotte fans that come up, like I said earlier in the show, be loud, say hello, be respectful, and we we promise we'll we'll boo you, but we'll treat you with respect <laughs> as well. So I'm looking forward to it for a good atmosphere as, as as always in Super Park. It's an electric place to be, and I think they're all going to enjoy it and have a great time. But um, that wraps up the show. As I mentioned earlier, uh, for AAT Sports Network, I will be covering the Union match on Twitter. I'll also be covering the press conference with Jim Curtin and, and be live tweeting that out. So uh, hopefully we have a good match tomorrow night. Uh, Charlotte it goes up to Chester and faces the first place Philadelphia Union. Uh, but until next week, guys, have a great evening. Bye, y'all.